0: What's up, Rockbridge? How's it going? Uh, no matter where you are today watching this, whether you're uh, at one of our physical locations or if you're online, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, my name is Bo Swafford, and uh, I am the associate campus pastor at our Dalton campus, and it is my honor and privilege to be with you all today. Um, so thank you for being with us. Hey, so I've been on staff with Rockbridge since March 1st, so about eight months. So I felt like one of the things that I probably needed to do was not just introduce myself but maybe introduce uh the better parts of my family so i'm going to throw up a picture right quick so you guys can see um this is my beautiful bride Brittany. we've been married uh almost 11 years um this is our eight-year-old son duke he is confused <laughs> so is his, mo- his mom's really confused <laughs> i'm not sure uh and then this is our six-year-old daughter sawyer um, she's. I'm leaving her everything that I have. <laughs> okay, so, um, But this is our family. Uh, well, like I said, we've been here about eight months. We love Rockbridge as a church, as a family. Um, it's just been an awesome, awesome experience for us. And, uh, and then to be able to do this with you guys this weekend, no matter where you are, is such a blessing uh, for me. So listen, let me tell y'all kind of where we're going today. Like, uh, well, this is Unfollow Part 3. And today I'm going to look at unfollowing the norm. And we're going to look at what culture tells us in a couple of uh, specific areas and, and how we're kind of pushed in that direction of, of culture saying, hey, go do this. But then we want to look at it, though, through the biblical lens of what God is telling us to do in some of these situations. Because here's the thing in, in our culture, we're incul- encouraged to fall in line with the norm, okay? to fall in line with the norm. But here we see in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it says this, even through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, or enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate, and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. So here's what I need y'all to know. Jesus is not the norm. In our culture today, Jesus is not the norm. Um, He gave up his life for us. He, He sacrificed everything and went to the cross for my sins, for your sins. And guys, that is not normal, okay? That's not something that people look to do for other people. But Jesus chose to do that for me and for you. And that's what we want to we dive in th- into that um, tonight. Because here's the thing. When you, when you decide, and some of you may already have, but when you decide to give Jesus the steering wheel of your life, here's some of the things that happen. We quit looking normal. We, we when we follow Christ, when we hand him everything, when we put him on the throne of our lives, we begin to no longer look normal. Because Jesus is not normal. Some other things, we don't go with the flow. We fight against the current, if you will. We don't compare ourselves to those around us, we compare ourselves to the cross. We don't choose the wide and broad gate anymore. Because here's the thing, the difficult task, the difficult choice, the narrow path for you and your family, is the best choice. It is the best choice for you and your family. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at unfollowing the norm in five areas tonight, in five areas. The first one is time. And here's what culture says. Culture says, go and do. Go and do. With your time, just go. Just go 100 miles an hour. Here's what God says, though. He says, be present, rest, and remain in me. Be present, rest, and remain in me. The next we're going to look at is money. Okay, we're going to look at money. And here's what culture says. Culture says you're not rich. Culture says you should want more. (laughs) Here's what God says. We are rich and be content with his blessings. Amen? Amen? All right, so now we're going to look at relationships. And relationships, here's what culture says. What can I get from this relationship? What can I get from this friendship? What can I get from this marriage? What can I get from this colleague that I work with? Here's what the Bible says, though. Be patient with each other's faults. Stand beside them. Bear one another's burdens. The next one we're going to look at is appearance. Culture says to look this way, to dress this way, to support this cause and get their bumper sticker. Here's what what God's word says. Set your mind on me. Set your mind on me. And then the last one we're going to look at tonight is sacrifice. Culture says, do what's best for you. Do what's best for you. Do what makes you feel the best. Listen to your heart. Jesus says, deny yourself and follow me. Deny yourself and follow me. So listen, before we get started, let's bow our heads, pray, and then we're going to jump in. Lord, I thank you so much for, to, for today. God, I thank you for this opportunity for us to hear your word. And Father, I would pray that your Holy Spirit would come right now and would begin to soften our hearts. Lord, begin to open our ears that we can hear and receive everything that you have for us today. So, God, come. Send your Holy Spirit moving in this place right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so I want to pull this picture back out of my family uh, because I want to tell just a a real quick story um, about this. So, Duke, who just turned 8 in September, was born in 2013. And when he was born... My wife, Britt, and I were actually remodeling our home. And so we had to move out of it the month before he was born and the month after he was born. Uh, Young marrieds in the Rockbridge world, don't do that, okay? Just cancel that out of it. Come see me, I'll talk you out of that one. So um, we lived with a couple, they were our marriage mentors. Awesome people, Moe and Suzanne Pickens. Um, they live in St. Simons Island. Just a great family. And, man, they just invited us in. So it was them, their four kids, me and Britt, and then here comes a four-day-old coming to the house. It was awesome. But um, Moe and Suzanne, as great people they are, they both graduated from Clemson. So they have their faults. Um, so I firmly believe that they brainwashed my son in, in the month that he lived with them. Uh, so, for the last eight years, though, like, honestly, it's been really easy to be a Clemson fan, okay? If you're a college football fan, you know it's been really easy to be a Clemson fan because Duke's born in 2013. First off, they beat Georgia that year. Let's not talk about that. 2014, Deshaun Watson shows up. 2015, they play for the national championship. 16, they win the national champ- championship. Then this other guy shows up at Clemson with long blonde hair named Trevor Lawrence. They win another national championship. And so it's been really easy for Duke to be a Clemson fan. Well, here comes September 4th, 2021. And it's it's time for us to go to war right here. Son versus father. Okay, this is biblical stuff right here. And so... Georgia goes back and forth with Clemson. Georgia ends up winning the game. So this wide, easy path that my son has chosen to be a Clemson fan got a little more narrow, okay? Got a little more narrow. Well, fast forward a couple of weeks, the NC State Wolfpack beats Clemson. Path a little more narrow, okay? So Duke's kind of, you know, wavering a little bit. My wife went to, went to college in Kentucky. She's a little bit of a Kentucky fan. So Georgia-Kentucky game rolls around. Kentucky's number 11 in the country for the first time since pre-World War II, I'm pretty sure. And so game's about to kick off, and, and Duke goes, hey, Mom, I need to run upstairs right quick. And I'm like, okay. So I go into the kitchen to get you know something to drink. I hear him come flying back down the stairs, and... When I get into the living room, let me get out the way. This is this is what I walk into my living room with. <laughs> this this geek went and found a full-on Kentucky uniform, and so he's just kind of sitting there, look at him, just chilling, just being him. And so what we discovered is is that my man maybe is not so much a Clemson fan as he much. he just enjoys aggravating his father, which. I'm sure there's other people that get that as well. Um, but when we talk about that, when we talk about how easy it was to be a Clemson fan, especially when they're winning championships, especially when they've got the next Peyton Manning as their quarterback, I think it's very true in life. I think, I think the, the choices that we make sometimes are totally focused on that easy, wide path. And listen, there's tons, okay? There's tons of things that we could talk about in culture tonight. I just chose these five because they hit home with me, okay? This sermon tonight is as much for me as it is anybody because at the end of the day, we follow this wide path when it comes to our time, our money, our relationships, our appearances, and sacrifice. So let's dive in. And let's see what it looks like. And listen, with each one of these, we're going to talk about what culture says. And then we're going to talk about what God's word says about it. So the first one is this. We're going to look at time. And time, this is what culture says. Culture says work 60 hours plus per week. You work. You go and you work and you make money and you, you just go as hard as you can go. You know what else it says? It also says, put your kids in every activity you possibly can. Gymnastics, cheerleading, travel sports. And and listen, I just told you, I'm talking to myself right here, okay? Britt and I are having these conversations right now going, you know, what what do we do? How do we protect the time that we have with our kids? Yes, if my son wants to be the next Trevor Lawrence I fully support that. But at what cost am I willing to support that? At what cost of his time? He's eight. He doesn't know. At what cost of our family's time am I willing to do that? One of the last things that culture says is don't slow down. Just keep going. Just keep going. Keep working. Whatever you got to do, just keep going. So here's what God's word says about it. This is John 15, 4 and 5. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. Listen, there is no worthwhile fruit in your life apart from God. Zero. In your personal life, in your professional life, in your family. Are you you building a career? Are you enjoying retirement? Are you raising your kids apart from God? Because if you are, it's a waste. Because God says, remain in me. Because without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So, I think then a question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we doing to connect with Jesus on a personal level? See, Sundays and Thursdays, those are are the start of it, okay? We want to come together. Corporate worship is so important. But what are you doing on a daily personal level where you're spending time with Jesus? What does that look like? In your life. Listen, I I can confess I've not been great at that. And I'm not a a huge morning person, but I have since figured out the value of that time. And I'm up 45 minutes before anybody else in our house so I can spend time with Jesus, sit in the quiet and the still. And honestly, drink a cup of coffee so I'm ready to go when my kids hit the floor running. So what are you doing? What are you doing to slow life down, be with Jesus, and get connected to him? Are you teaching your kids? Are you teaching your kids to slow down? Are you teaching your grandkids to slow down? Or are they seeing this hurried, chaotic pace of life, and it's all they know, and so it's all they'll ever do? All right, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So that was time. This is money. This is money. So here's what money looks like in culture. Culture says we don't have enough stuff. That's what culture says. We don't have enough stuff. Man, look at what all they have. I want it too. And what comes from that is a a spirit of comparison. You start looking over into your neighbor's yard, looking at what they've got, and you want it too. You start looking at, you know, the the guy beside you at work who may be getting a, a promotion, and you begin to compare yourself to him. The spirit of comparison, it gets encouraged almost in our society. Society tells us we need more money. We need more stuff. Here's what God's word says. This is 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 9. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. So here's Paul's letter to Timothy. It's telling us that, that those of us, those of us that make life more about the things we have versus the calling that we have are missing great gain. When we make things We make life more about the things that we have versus the calling that we have in our life because we're missing the mark. We're missing it completely. And what I love right here is this this word uh, content in Hebrew, it translates to this, perfect condition in life. Perfect condition in life. Are you content? where God has you right now. Listen, I I know for me, for a long time, the word content, it kind of had a negative connotation for me, and I think it's because I probably confused it with the word complacent, and that's not the case. See, complacent means refusing to work to improve, but content, content means perfect condition in life? Are we content with the blessings and calling that God has given us? Are we content with who Christ is in our lives? See, the joy of knowing Jesus as Lord is what makes us rich. There's not a single thing that we can buy. There's not an, an amount of money that we, can, that we can bring into our family that will ever, ever equal the joy of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? That's right. Matt says this, and, and I love it, and it's so simple, but Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And listen, that that's that's contentment. That's being content in life. I've got Jesus, I don't need anything else. All right, let's uh, let's let's keep this let's keep this rolling right here. So the next one for us is is relationships. And what this looks like in culture. And listen, as a pastor, you see in here a lot of Not great things. And so I see and hear people using relationships to gain prominence. I see people that pursue people to get what they need. And then they discard those relationships when there's no longer a need for them. They use them. And culture says that's okay. It's okay to to use a friend to get what you need. It's okay to use uh, people you work with to elevate yourself in the company or business that you work for. Culture also says, what can I get from this relationship physically, emotionally, and mentally that is going to serve me and my purpose? But God. See, Paul says this in Ephesians 4 2 through 3. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. See, Paul's in prison, and he's urging us to walk worthy of the calling that we have, to be humble and gentle in relationships. You got to be willing to come alongside and bear one another's burdens. Listen, you you can't bear someone's burdens with them. You can't stand beside them and put your arm around somebody and love them when they're in the middle of the junk and and then try to use them. The other part that really hit home with me, that really pushes me um, as a member of the body of Christ, is not allowing division to be part of the relationship, but working for unity in the body of Christ. We can't allow division to be a part of any relationship. We can't allow it to be a part of our marriage. We can't allow division to be a part of our colleagues, of our friends. And listen, here's what happens. Here's what culture is telling us that causes division is this, race, political differences, hardships, and differences. We allow these things to come between the relationships that we have in life. But we have to be willing to fight for unity. As the body of Christ, we have to be willing to stand beside people, no matter what they look like, no matter where they come from, no matter what side of this political divide they're on, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that we know them and we love them. Because here's the thing. The reason why we fight for, for unity, and listen, I am as, as competitive a human being as has ever walked the planet, okay? Okay? I promise you. And so this this resonates with me. The reason why we fight for unity is because division in the body of Christ is Satan winning. And I refuse to let it happen. Division in the body of Christ is Satan winning. Okay. Okay. So that's relationships. Let's, let's keep going because next up for us is appearances. And appearances here in the Bible Belt gets a little tricky sometimes, okay? Because here's what it says uh, about appearances with culture. We've become consumed with looking like those around us. we become consumed with looking like those around us. See, people are more worried about what their family looks like Than their actual family. They're concerned of of how they appear to the people around them. And listen, I I said in the Bible Belt listen, in the Bible Belt, I've seen it, I, I probably have experienced it, honestly. We'll go to church just to keep up appearances. We'll go to church so people don't think anything's going on. Because we're so consumed and so concerned with what people around us think about us and how they look at us. But here's what God's word says. Colossians 3 One through four. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so Paul is is telling the people, listen, set your minds and your hearts on heavenly things. Quit worrying about the junk. Because when you choose to follow Jesus, the earthly junk doesn't matter anymore. What you look like, where you go, who you're around, none of it matters anymore. Because you are hidden with Christ in God. It doesn't matter what I look like because here's what they need to be looking at. Is the Christ in me? That's all they, see. That's all they need to see. Is the Christ in me? So our appearances fall aside. And, and, and all they see is Jesus. <clears throat> all right, let's jump to the last one. Sacrifice. We talk about this in culture, this is pretty easy. There's not a lot of sacrifice in our culture today. There's not. Because we do what pleases us in culture today. See, culture says it's okay to be selfish and to be self centered, it's okay to put yourself and your agenda before others. Because it's yours, and you deserve that. But Luke, Luke says this. This is 9.23. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Deny yourself and follow me. Don't focus on your personal desires. There is something, there's someone that's way bigger than our personal desires. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is not selfish. It's not self-centered. He's saying, place me on the throne of your life. And listen, in order to put Jesus on the throne of your life, you know, has to get moved from the throne of your life. You, me. I've gotta be willing to replace myself with Jesus. And listen, it's hard. It is tough. Nobody ever said following Jesus was going to be easy. Nobody ever said following Jesus was going to be the wide path. But we did hear that it would be the narrow path. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. What path will you follow? I said it, following Jesus is different. It's not normal. It's difficult. And the reason why it is, is because Satan makes that wide path very attractive. He puts things in front of us that culture says we won't. But we have to be willing to choose The narrow path. Because the narrow path, it leads to life. It leads to life. And life is freedom. Life is being like Jesus. And God's freedom. You get freedom from comparison. You get freedom from selfishness and self-centeredness. You get freedom from the worry of appearances. Sometimes it's so hard for us to focus on on who Christ wants us to be because we are so focused and, and, and attempting so hard to be who we think the world wants us to be. In Christ, there's freedom from that. See, when we choose to be like Jesus... It means loving our family. It means unity in relationships. And it means being centered on God. So, today, as we finish, as we close, I, I want to leave you with, with two questions. Do you choose freedom? Do you choose freedom, freedom from culture, freedom from a world that doesn't want you to be content, freedom from a world that says you're not rich, that you're not good enough? Will you choose? to unfollow the norm and follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, it's because of Jesus and what he has done for us that we can unfollow the things of this world and choose to follow your son. And so, Father, I pray right now that no matter where we are, no matter where we're sitting in this moment, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit will move in the hearts and lives of people. And, God, that the people will choose to follow you. Lord, that they will unfollow their past that they will unfollow the norm, that they will deny themselves and follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.